Welcome to another edition of the In the Pain Show, episode 165. We appreciate everybody joining us once again after a draft party. Seemed like a long time ago. It was 10 days ago. Here with my co-host, Chelsea Hopkins, Ani Iman, as usual. Guys, how are you guys doing? Uh, we had some big things happening, and we got some big things coming up. Yeah, Ronnie, it was uh, everything's been good. Just came back from Orlando. Uh, MVPA, top 100 camp, which is always really good. This is my seventh year of it, so wow. this is... Uh, Fun to be in, but you know, most importantly, we had a birthday uh, <laughs> uh, the other day. We had Chelsea because it was a birthday. You know, Chelsea, I know she's probably recovering a little bit. Yeah. Uh, how you doing? I'm definitely recovering, Ani. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, another year around the sun. So. Uh, a little different year for me because I'm like not hooping anymore. So I woke up like happy on my birthday, but like sad because I got some good news the day before uh, about a job I've been waiting on. So I'll have a new career, no more basketball, a year older. So this is going to be a different year for me, but I'm excited and nervous. Like at the same time. Yeah, that's good. Excited and nervous. If you weren't nervous, that would, I, that would, then you'd worry if you weren't a little nervous, you know, that's good to have a little bit of pregame jitters. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you're going to rock it when game time comes, but Looking back over the last 10 days, you know, uh, a lot has happened. So we, 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 we knew the top of the draft, what was going to happen as another NBA season really is about to kick off now as we shoot this the day before the 4th of July. Uh, summer League's about to start. And, um, you know, as a good look back, Chelsea, you know, our top picks were we kind of nailed those. We had some, not necessarily that we agreed with picking those players in that order, but we thought those picks were going to go in that order. And then uh, then, then after that, the first seven, it was like, oh, wow, all kind of stuff happened. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I teased you when we when we logged off. Like, thank God we, we ended our show when we did because our, our draft board kind of went all over the place right after uh, the top six. But, you know, uh, it, it was kind of what we predicted. You know, sure. we, we knew the top three picks were set. Um, we knew that, you know, not necessarily the order, but we knew that the three guys that were that were going to be selected. And then after that, we thought, you know, teams could go in all different directions. And I think we kind of saw that um, after the top six picks. But um, it, it was a good draft. I mean, I think there was a, definitely a lot of winners, a lot of losers. Um, and we have a lot to talk about with, you know, the draft and free agency starting um, shortly after. There's been a lot of movement yeah. um, and exciting stuff in the NBA. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, I don't know how many game changers there are in this draft, obviously, besides the number one pick. Maybe there are, you know. The Thompson twins going back to back, that is like, wow. That's I mean, I'm awesome for them, for their family. But uh, I think some people are like, wow, they're just going to see how that plays out. You know, you've got two young prospects that are definitely prospects. You know, you don't you, – it doesn't seem like, okay – they made a deep run the NCAA tournament, or you think that they're this, you know, uh, have a lot of body of, I guess, body of work to work with. And that that's okay. That's what the draft has kind of become. And like you said, uh, besides the Spurs, I think it's it's wait and see for many teams. And and uh, like you said, the free agency is going to play a big part in that. I, I just don't see – I think there's – give me a, one player do you think just might be – like second team all rookie, or it's just pretty good, regardless of where they got picked. Did you have one player that, and, yeah, and obviously not the top six? Um, I'm actually gonna go with Cam Whitmore. Um, okay. he really slid in the draft, I know, yeah. Um, but you know, Houston got a steal, in my opinion. And when I just watched this kid play, I'm like, yo, he has some flashes of like being really good. Yeah. And to your point, Ronnie, about like you don't really see necessarily like any game changers. I think the draft has showed us that as years and years and years go on, every draft pretty much has some sleepers or some players yeah. that like overachieved per se from where they were selected. No doubt. Um, you know, we look at Joker, who was a second round pick. <laughs> yeah. He was a second round pick. And this man is arguably the best player in the league right now. Yeah. So I think when we're in it, the moment, like, I test alone, it's kind of hard to say, okay, like who's going to really be great in this draft. Yeah. But I think, you know, as we continue our show and maybe 
five years from now, you're going to be like, wow, Chelsea, Cam Whitmore was really good or, you know, maybe yeah. another name. So I think that that's kind of just how the way that's just the way it works. You have the people at the top that are pretty pr predictable. So Wimby is probably going to be as good as advertised, although I do have a couple question marks, as you guys know, yeah. but there's going to be somebody that that finds a way that, you know, finds their role niche in this league um, and is going to probably be a player that we're going to be talking about um, years to come. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you have anybody yeah. that kind of stands out to you? Yeah, I saw Cam Whitmore in Mexico on that USA 19 team. He was their best player. So I liked him. I thought he was a top six or seven talent. Again, the medical didn't didn't pan out or there were some flags. Um you know, so I, I like him. I think he's better in this draft, at least as a 20 pick. I think he's yeah. much better than that. Um, you know, if if I'm looking at later in the draft, you know, Nick Smith, if he can get it together, if he stays with Charlotte and he's a first-round pick, so he's going to get the first-round money. Uh, you know, as a backup guard down the line, I think that's that could be pretty good, especially they know that they know who they got. Yeah. You know, uh you know, they know who's in their team. Uh, they signed Mallow to a, you know, rookie max extension. So they, they're set. They know they want Brandon Miller to, you know, they're kind of set at those positions. So if he can stick and do a little bit of good there, obviously he's going to have first round money. I think he could be pretty good. He's another guy that kind of slipped yeah. because of injuries or his circumstance. And I, I think he can do pretty, pretty good as well. Um, you know, there's looking at the draft, some of the picks that, you know, Juris Walker went eight. Yeah. You know, Casey uh, Wallace, Jed Howard, 10, 11. Grady Dick, maybe even to Toronto, he's going to have some opportunity. He right. went down a little bit. Um, so that, that would be pretty interesting and and pretty great. You know, those guys have a great, great opportunity. I think it's free. You said that the opportunity for some guys is just going to be really good and others. It's just either going to be a position crunch or like the team's just not winning right now. Like I'm a little, that's why I'm a little uh, like, Oh boy, Houston, as we know, as we talked about Houston, a bunch and Detroit, they got a lot of work to do and they got two players that have a lot of work to do in essence. You know what I mean? No, so, absolutely. But like I said, with the combination of the draft and NBA free agency, I don't, I think Houston has, is a winner per se right now. Uh, based off of the things that we've seen so far. Um, I told you Cam Whitmore is my sleeper, but the main thing that that team needed was leadership. So, you know, I, I've seen them make some moves that I feel is going to make them competitive. Now, are they going to be a really formidable team in the West? Probably not, you know, but, but I've seen them make some strides, you know, to, to, you know, be something down the line, you know, under new leadership with the coach, new leaders, vet leadership in the locker room. You know, they moved a couple of their young guys around, added some pieces. So, I, I you know, I can see some positive things, you know, from them in the future. Uh, as far as Houston goes, I don't know what you think about this, Ani, but, um, you know, I like what they did in the trap, but their team's still just going to be sorry. Like, I just, I really just can't see it. And, and I'm a huge Brandon Miller fan. And, and I'm a Nick Smith fan as well, but when I just look at their pieces, I, I don't understand really the direction of the team. So, you know, Ani, what, what are your thoughts on kind of what Charlotte has done up until this point? Well, uh, speaking with Charlotte, I mean, they're just going to be mediocre to bad. I mean, they're in a rebuilding stage, right? So, like, they're not in a situation where they're trying to, um, like, compete for for a playoff spot or a title in my opinion they're in a, they're in a position where they're still trying to gain gain access i mean um you know gain some players you know to build upon you know with lamello can he finally be healthy for a whole season and seeing where that is brandon miller is going to take a little bit of time probably get into that 24 draft get a high draft pick and then you know just continue to get you know players to kind of build on i mean they're in a rebuilding stage you know they did the qualifying offer for miles bridges he's going to be a free agent next year yeah. There's a new direction, obviously, ownership, everything like that. So it's going to take some time for Charlotte, uh, in my opinion. I don't think they're in any rush to really contend for a title or contend yeah. for a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's like Brandon Miller got a hit, healthy LaMelo. Let's see what Nick Smith becomes, get a good draft pick in 24, 
and then we can kind of see like okay what was the direction i kind of like them more than houston in my opinion for really? a long term so for okay. for this reason it's like for houston who's your superstar you just committed 40 million a year to fred van fleet right like yes right now you're better but like what Again, we look at deep, uh, Denver. We know who the guy's going, who the guy is. We look at we look at Miami. We look at all these teams. We know who the superstar is. When you're committing so much money to guys, and there's really not a clear who is my dude, yeah. then you just fall into the mediocrity trail. Ooh. Then it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to be a seven, eight, six seed. Cool. Like, is that what you want to be for the next five years? Fine. Like, for but for Charlotte, it's like if you hit on some really high level draft picks. And you got some guys that they're gonna be all stars to be one or one or two uh like level guys for like championship contenders, then you can build role players around them and still and then actually contend for a title. Houston, I just who is that? Is that Sangoon? Is he gonna take the next step? People did say that he's gonna grow. Could be, but I think Charlotte, at least from you know, from my mindset, is like, how can I win a title? Not how can I make the playoffs. Yeah. So so if if I know I got my guys that can help me contend, great. I just think Houston has guys that, yeah, I can get to the playoffs every year. But who's going to be that superstar, my second-tier guy, to help me win it? So let me ask you this, Ronnie, just to kind of piggyback off of what Ronnie's saying. Do you think, you know, Jalen Green was recently on Paul George's podcast. Um, okay. you know, they're, you know, shooting it. Paul George is asking him questions. And he recently asked him about maybe James Harding returned, returning to Houston. Um, and Jalen Green's response was, it could be a good thing, it, be, it could be a bad thing. So he was kind of alluding to what it may be stunt his growth as, you know, the man in Houston or, you know, something along those lines. So now, Ani, you're talking about how they acquired Fred Van Fleet, they acquired Dylan Brooks, they gave all these money to these guys. You know, what, what is the timeline for Houston, though? You know, you talk about them you know, making the playoffs or whatever. They haven't made the playoffs for the last several years. So I think that you have to kind of make the playoffs before you can have a chance to contend. And just to Jalen Green's point, do you think that acquiring these big names is going to change things? Like, I'm just kind of wondering what you think, Ronnie. Um, I think it'll change it a little bit, yeah. And I'd look at it to teams like this. You, What do you do when you rebuild now with the play-in? If the Lake Lakers and Heat can do it, then you can kind of have some momentum and be like, if we can get to the seventh spot or whatnot, we can make a run if you believe in your pieces, you know, or make yeah. another move at the at right before the, the trade deadline. So I do think Houston is going to get better. Um, I think Ani's looking at it like, you know, can they really win it? And I understand what he's yeah. getting at. Um, they're they're not going to win right now, you know, like uh, right, right. They're not going to win it in in. Will that combination of players uh, win it? And and sometimes, I don't know. Like, I like the leadership. We always talk about mentorship and leadership in the NBA a lot. But, like, sometimes I think, like, you're a professional. Like, get it done. You're not good enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't hear about, like, uh, I get it. Some cultures are better than others. Some teams are run better than others. We get that. But, like, at the end of the day, uh, adding Chris Paul, adding these guys, sometimes it doesn't. It honestly don't mean shit to me. They're just not good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Houston's not good enough right now. And either, you know, they're in a Charlotte's not either in a win. So like you said, build slowly, do the right thing. Um, I think Houston's got their players are just as they shown last year towards just not mature. They're just not mature. You know what I mean? Like for whatever reason, they're not mature. You know, that's where they need to grow. Uh, and maybe that's bringing in an outside piece. I think well, I mean we very interesting to change the subject a little bit to see what Detroit does with because Monty Williams is so respected. He had a veteran team in in Phoenix, so is Detroit gonna like take a big jump up? You know, we'll, we'll see. They're paying them a lot of money to take a jump up, but I want to ask you guys a question about Charlotte. Going back to Charlotte, um, Mellow Ball got the you know the max extension. He's a really good player. I don't know how great he is. You know, he's really good. Is he great, like franchise altering? I don't know. We would let you, one of you guys answer that. But uh, that that stadium that there, Charlotte used to draw twenty thousand fans all the time. But it seems like they have a lot of issues now. Um, is that just because something changed? Is the own? Do you guys think that's ownership? Like in other words, when they had a contending team and they were nowhere near the title, I think to Ani's point, like 
when they had Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, that group, they were young. They were then uh, Larry Johnson hurt his back, but they weren't in title contention. They weren't going to beat the, the Bulls, the Jordans Bulls, but they were packing out the arena. What what's changed in some of these teams, especially like Charlotte? Is that just, you know, ownership? They were bad, mediocre for so long. They moved to New Orleans. They came back. People don't know. Are they the Pelicans, Charlotte? Are they the Hornets? Is that where they lost their momentum, or is it just bad drafting and bad moves? I just think it's bad drafting, bad moves. You're not putting a product out there for people to get excited about. I mean, Lamelo is exciting. I think Lamelo was kind of bringing, yeah, um, some some you know some excitement to fans and people want to come see him. I mean, especially the flair with his passes and everything like that and the rookie, sure. but. It's just bad. Like, I mean, they done a bad job putting teams together. <laughs> um, they just done a really bad job. Like, no one wants to see a bad team, like, sure. at all. So, I think that's more so Charlotte's problem. They've just been treading the mediocrity trail for so long that it's just like – I thought LaMelo brought some excitement back. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, he hasn't really stayed healthy this past season. So, if if I'm a fan of Charlotte, why would I go see the Hornets if LaMelo's not playing and we're, we're already horrible? Yeah. You know, and I think that's just been going on the past couple years. They just, like, before LaMelo, who was the best player? Boy, it's been a while. Like, <laughs> where you be, turn on the TV and be like, I'm going to watch a Hornets game. They're not on TNT very often, if at all. They haven't had a franchise-changing player, really. You know, they go back some years, you know. And then, obviously, with Hurricane Katrina and then the Pelicans moving and having the team in – the team having to move and then move again back. It, it, they don't have no momentum. But this could be a positive momentum if he stays healthy. So right. speaking of the health, let's talk about the Bulls for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bulls are trying to get a health exception or a waiver for half of Lonzo Ball's salary, which would be mm-hmm. about $10 million. So, you know, we talk about the Ball brothers. It's, it's just where does Lonzo go from here? Uh, just wait it out and – come back and hopefully be strong. I mean, I don't – just talking to people, obviously, he's a Southern California guy. It just doesn't seem to be a lot of hope and optimism that – forget the number two pick. He's not going to be your uh, <laughs> highest productive number two pick around. And, you know, but just to get back to being a everyday starter, everyday player, what, what do you guys think? Uh, I Honestly, I don't see it in the cards. Yeah, um, It's super sad, but – you know, they haven't really been able to figure out, like, what's the issue with him. And I just feel like our technology and stuff is so advanced, like, these days, if, if they haven't been able to figure out any type of solution until this point, like, I just don't think that there will be one. Um, and it's unfortunate because Lonzo is, you know, super talented. And, and when right, he can be very impactful on, on any team. Right. Uh, but, you know, how many years has it been now? Like, well, yeah. he sat out all of last season. He's persisted to sit out all of this season. He sat out, what, a, a chunk of the previous season before that. So, you know, I, I really just don't see it. And it, it's, it's unfortunate. But I understand where the Bulls are coming from. It's like, dang, we went all in on this guy. And, you know, we need to, to get something to try to make our team be formidable. You know, and their team was right there on the cusp. Look at the Bulls. They were in the playing game. You know, if they would have had Lonzo, we can make an argument that they could have been the Miami Heat and, and made a deep right. into the playoffs. But right. it's it's not looking good. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, unless something comes back where he can play like half a season or then maybe be healthy for the playoffs, like because Lonzo's really talented. I mean, we yeah. people forget even when he first got with the Bulls how good they were. Like, mm-hmm. you know, of the defense and offense, like they were really good with him. And so I understand with them, like you want, you want to get some money back to get a free agent or, you know, to take some take some uh, money, uh, co- a contract in for a trade using that uh, exception. Uh, but, man, it's just I don't I don't know what that looks like two years from now. Can, Le- can Lonzo play? 30 to 40 games and be reliable for the playoffs. Wow. I don't know. If you're if you if you're telling me you're asking me, can he do more than that going forward? No. Wow, no. you can't rely on that much more than that going forward. Yeah. And I that's think crazy yeah. he's a young man, you know. He's he's, he's he's a young man. He graduated high school in 216. I guess in basketball terms, that seems like a really long time ago. <laughs> you know, like years are just going by. <laughs> you know, like 
it's almost going to be 224. It's like, wow, eight, almost eight years ago. But yeah, it, it's it's going by and uh, you're at a crossroads. You know, many people's careers are at a crossroads. I guess the biggest crossroads and an older player, but he could still have a lot of time left, is uh, the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, So, which has kind of like been the big news of free agency. Nothing's happened yet, but uh, he's been reported that, you know, he wants to move out of Portland. So my thing is, it's kind of in that no man's land you guys are talking about. Portland could have made a push, say, hey, Dame, we're going to play you, you know, 40 minutes a night for the rest of the 20 or 30 games of the season. We'll try to get into the eighth or ninth spot. And like you said, Chelsea, maybe they're the Miami Heat of the of the of the West, you know? You know, <laughs> probably not, but uh, you make a try, like, you know, you kind of like the Lakers did. They made that push. And uh, I think for whatever reason, they, they decided the other way, we're going to shut him down or he's going to minimize his mileage. Well, then should they have moved him at the break? Are they, you know, oh, no, you couldn't do that. Everybody up, be up in arms or. Now he doesn't want to play, but it seems like to me for Portland's standpoint, like it happened at the bad timing, I would say. You know, they signed a, a player to a big contract right before that announcement. So, Ani, uh, give your take, and then Chelsea, go ahead and give your take. Chelsea, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm very glad that this happened, for one, because I've been saying, like, get rid of him or Dame needs to move on. So I will say, you know, Dame preaches all this, you know, loyalty, schmoyalty, and that's great and very respectable. But now Portland has come out and said they are not going to accommodate Dame. Previously, it's, oh, we love Dame so much. If he didn't want to stay, we'll try to help him, blah, blah, blah. So now they draft Scoot Henderson, which I knew wasn't going to move Dame at all. They give Jeremy Grant a ridiculous contract. I'm sorry, like great player, but for a guy who has not, <laughs> Sniffed uh, all NBA or all star. I thought that that was an overpay. And now Dame wants to leave. It's been reported that he wanted to go to Miami. And it's been reported by Portland's management that we are not going to just accommodate Dame. We are going to get the best available package in which Dame could end up pretty much anywhere. So they needed to move on and Dame needed to move on a long time ago because this was inevitable and everybody saw the writing on the wall. This little number three draft pick is not going to change anything or make that team a contender. So I just feel like now we're at this point where what should have been done, you know, is, is being, you know, is having to happen now. And we don't know where Dame's going to end up. Portland is not going to be a good team. And here we are. So I don't know, Ani, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always had the feeling that you traded Dame before the trade yeah. was uh in my opinion because now with the request the the leverage is kind of taken away from you right like, like, a little bit like yeah you like yeah you're not just going to trade him for anything but i felt that there's probably was a little bit more value like last year than this yeah. year um but you know they should have been done like I, I i'm big on like if you're just gonna be a seventh eighth ninth tenth seed and you really don't have the pieces to contend you need to just start all over <laughs> I'm big no. on that. Like, unless you're a young team, unless you're a young team and you're building up, like a OKC Thunder, for example. Like, Portland had a team that was at best an eighth seed mm -hmm. that was going to lose in the first round. Yeah, cut your losses because you're going to be that next year and the following year, and you yeah. never would be in the lottery. So. Yeah, it should have just happened. It should happen. I mean, we all know this is a business. I, I do applaud Portland, for one, for trying to stay loyal for, with Dane, you know, giving him the contract, want to stay with him. I get it. Like, he's still it's still a business, but there was still, yeah. like, Dane wanted to be there. He truthfully wanted to be there, and they wanted to do what they could best. It's hard because, you know, Portland's not a big-time free agent city. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is what it is. So I do applaud them for that, but they should have traded them last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you said, I'm big on the leverage, having the leverage to get the maximum back. And they just have a little bit less now. And, uh, you know, with Miami, uh, you know, it's just going to be the Blazers want uh, Tyler Hero. 
but they you know they they want um you know is it going to be some sort of three team trade is to, to to satisfy what Portland feels like they can get for the the player that they have you know with the caliber of player that they're giving up or is it straight up or is he going to veto he can veto the trade right he has a no trade clause but but you're saying you want out so what does that mean if you want if you have a no trade clause but you want to get traded I don't know, uh, Ani, what does that mean? You know what I mean? I mean, you want to get traded to where you, you want to be traded, but it still got to make sense. Yeah. It's still, it's still, the trade still got to make sense. And, okay, Portland. And make sense for both teams, yeah. Right. Portland, you want Tyler Hero. Okay, now, Tyler Hero, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Font Simons. Three guys that have <laughs> to have the ball in their hands. Yeah, one probably going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the, <laughs> in the NBA. Not saying they're all bad defenders, but that's small. That's, like, small. that's a small, small lineup. So, how do you make that work? You're just a worse version of when you had Dame. Absolutely. <laughs> I think when you go to, we talk about Miami and they've done really well lately. Obviously, had their run last year. So, uh. Be honest with you, Jimmy Butler is awesome, but he ain't beating Denver, even if they get in the right. playoffs next year. What he does is not going to beat Denver. Right. He'd have to score 40 points in six finals games. Like, you know what I mean? He'd have to have a monster series to beat them. So now you – let's say they do get Dame Lillard and they keep Butler in their core, Bam Ayabido. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know what that creates – what type of player is Dame now? Like, in other words, is he still a 30-point-a-game guy? You don't know because he's never been in that situation. We know he's a good talent, but what player mm-hmm. are you getting? Like, in a seven-game series in a conference final or final that matters, does he still have that same impact? Obviously, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But you don't exactly know what he's going to do on a 60-win contending team where the dynamics is. How does that change Butler? Does that make him less effective? I, I don't know. You don't – you know, like you said, Ani, when you have certain – guys that are, um, you know, demanding the ball or a lot of guards, you you don't know what that does. So I, I still even have some reservations of what, like you said, he's been awesome in Portland. Does that mean he's awesome on a 60-win team somewhere else? Right. I think he's going to be good, but is he one of the, you know, like Chelsea would say, first or second team on the NBA, or does he have to adjust his game at this time in his career and this age? I mean, yeah. you guys – Think no, maybe you guys think he would. He does. I, I I think that Dame would still be Dame. And when I look at the dynamic of Miami, he I think he fits right in um, with just their culture and what they're doing. I will say just a little sidebar: I am not doing a package with Damian Lillard if it does not include like Bam Adebayo, like which I know Miami. Oh, wow. They would never do it, but I don't want a package, Ani, of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and two second round picks. That was the package that I originally heard. That's terrible. Why would I do that if, if I'm Portland? Like, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson virtually do the same thing. Tyler Hero's a better version. Second-round picks it may or may not even stick on the team. So I wouldn't do that package. And I know they're not. Miami's not going to give up BAM, so I really don't see this happening anyway, but let's just speak hypothetically. Dame is going to fit in with them because Jimmy Butler, when I look at him, um, he is a player that's game is predicated off of hustle. I really think that he can impact games without necessarily having to have the ball, you know, in his hands so much. You know, he's going to get it done on the defensive end. He's a dog. He's going to make big plays. Um, And Dame is still going to be able to be Dame. I feel like they actually fit really good together, dynamic-wise. Same with Bam. You know, Bam is a player that's going to get you 20 points. You know, you don't really run a whole bunch of offense through him, per se, because he's not, like, you know, some, like, super skilled offensive player. Um, I think if they were to, to get Dame and maybe add a center, because I would like to see Bam, you know, they they play small ball a lot with Bam at the five. I would like them to see Bam to move to the stretch four position because I feel like he'd be more effective there, even though he's not, like, going to shoot a whole bunch of shots. And and add a center, and I think that that would be very formidable. Um, with Heat's uh, combination of their culture, combination of having an amazing coach in Eric Spolster, I think that they would definitely be in contention. But I really just do not see it happening. I would not take that terrible package if I am the Portland Trailblazers. I, I really see there's other teams that have better pieces to offer. Um, I look at the 76ers, which is on a short list, um, mm-hmm. you know, to acquire Dame. They didn't extend Tyrese Maxey. 
Tyrese Maxey is really good. You know, if if, if 76ers were to give Portland a call and, and say Maxey's on the table, I feel like they would listen. Yeah. So, I, don't, I don't know. What do you think, Ani? Uh, yeah. I mean, Miami, if Dane were to go there, it'd be fine. I mean, they would contend. Dane, Jimmy, what we saw in the finals, in my opinion, is, you know, Jimmy does have, like, he does have a degenerate. I think it's his knees, right? Like, I think he had to do so much early on in the playoffs and then he got to the finals and it was just like that was it so i think dame at least at least some of the pressure to have to score as much uh that he had to do in the first three rounds uh if i'm if i'm portland like you got to get young pieces so like okay like tyler hero you're gonna do it cool dunk robinson's gonna do it cool he maybe it's trade assets for something later on you get you some first round picks i would probably get like nace uh naismith uh, my man, and uh, Jovic. I get some young guys in there, like get yeah. some young, talented guys that the Heat are probably are invested in to add to what you got that you can build on. Like, it's kind of for me, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, when Memphis traded Pau Gasol, you know, to LA, and everyone's like, God, oh, this is a horrible trade. Well, people forget Marcus was in that trade, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and Marcus Soul turned out really good. I think if you're Portland, you need to go get a young guy that really has a high upside out of there that the Heat, and you know the Heat are grooming them, <laughs> and get you about one or two of those, and maybe initially it looks like a bad trade. But two, three years from now, it's like, oh, shit, that guy was in the trade. Like, now he's a 15-point-per-game score. Like, you got it, and you're probably going to have to get a third team involved to get your first-round pick assets that you want. But in all that, I'm just saying, like, it will work if Dame goes to Heat. I think they could they could win a title. But I do think if you're Portland, you have to get some young guys that maybe doesn't look good now because you picked them up for Dame, but it looks good later. Get some first round picks, and then get some guys that can kind of still help you now stay competitive. Wait, but real but real quick, Ani, teams have not shown the ability to develop certain players like Miami has. So just because I'm Portland and I'm taking players that Miami is grooming to make better, and do I have the ability in Portland to really make those players better or as if they would have stayed in Miami? We know Miami does that. They pick up these undrafted guys, they develop them, they get them ready. So when you talk about that package, I, I really feel what you're saying, but is Portland going to invest in these young people like Miami does? Well I, I, well, I think if you're training, Dane, you're getting away from trying to contend or trying to be a playoff contender. So if you're in a rebuilding stage, rebuilding is all about development, right? (laughs) So for me, it's like if I'm going to rebuild, then I got to develop my young guys. So I don't think they have a choice unless you want to be in a rebuilding stage for 10 more years. Like, I mean, like. (laughs) Ani, just to piggyback your point, I think the bottom line is Scoot Henderson is going to have to hit because Mm -hmm. the franchise is going to feel like they don't have much hope when the fans show up and Damian Lillard's not there next fall or let's say the first game and the team's not that good. But if Scoot kind of shows flashes and gets off to a good start, I think they may, you know, warm up kind of like Mallow in, in Charlotte. But if he doesn't, if he's like a little bit struggling, boy, that team is, like you said, it's going to be dormant. Like they're not going to have any hope. You know what I mean? Right. Because they had hope with Lillard or something to, you know, something to hang their hat on, like, hey, I want to go to Portland Trailblazers game. We have a chance to win. We can get in the playoffs, whoa, 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 that type of thing. But without him, it's like, <laughs> you better get some pieces. Or mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson better be really dynamic, like, wow, like John Morant type player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or else it's going to be a long call. They're going to be, in, they're going to have a long road. So, uh, yeah, it's a long road. It's, it's, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, you know, it, I, I just think the timing of it was a little odd to our original point, and it hurts Portland and what they're going to get back. I, I Like you said, on if they would have traded him at the deadline or traded him last year, you know, and is he 32 or 33? Yeah, he's about 32 or 33 years old. So, you know, we'll, 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 we're going to follow it. It's going to be interesting. What Besides, I guess, Chelsea, you seen Victor Wimbyama, and I'm sure it's going to be a hot ticket. What are you looking forward to the most about the NBA Summer League? Um, you know, I honestly, you know, don't – I'm not into Summer League as much as I used to be. Um, you know, years ago I used to go a lot. I thought it was really exciting. Now they've made the prices of Summer League 
like I'm going to watch the Lakers play. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's super expensive. But I, I'm going to get in there anyway. I have my Vegas connection, so I'll probably have a chance to watch. But I, it's, it's always good to just see the, the young talent. I, I really want to see the Thompson twins. You know, I've seen so many highlights of them um, just on social media. Um, Wimby, I already know, is going to be a freak, but that's just expected. So, yeah. you know, I, I kind of want to see how the Thompson twins are going to be. Um, uh, I'm interested to see, let's see, what other player do I really, oh, my players that I picked um, are all doing summer league, the ones that I thought were sleepers. Uh, Maxwell Lewis is going to play for the Lakers. Uh, Julian Strother is going to play for Denver. Um, so just guys that, you know, I really had an eye on when we did our draft show. Um, you're going to have an opportunity to see everybody. And it's all under one roof. And, and that's the cool thing that you're able to walk back and forth from Thomas and Mac to the Cox Pavilion and just uh, and check out the young talent. So I'll, I'll definitely get out there. I don't have like one player that's just must see. Uh, I'm just going to check out all the guys that I had my eye on um, on draft day and, and see how it goes. What about you, Ani? Yeah, for me, it's uh, obviously be watching those Texas guys like Anthony Black and Orlando, uh, Kaysen Wallace and OKC. It's um, um, Keontae that's at Utah, even Jalen Wilson, like those guys. Like I'm, I'm interested to see how those those guys pan out. Uh, I like you, the Thompson twins. Um, really like to see just progressions on the jump shooting, uh, their mm-hmm. athleticism. You know, just kind of how it translates in the NBA game. Um, yeah. and like what, what, like what is the prototype that probably the long term what that looks like? Uh, it's more of that, it, it, it's more of that what we've seen in the high school realm and then seeing where how they progress. And like, there's, and I'm interested to see the guys that were like the second round picks that was like, oh shit, he was a steal. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, the, uh, we, we saw, we saw some last year, we're gonna see it again this year. That's what I'm excited about. Like, the guys that are, oh, man, he was a steal. He was a second-round steal. And the, some of the guys that are probably, like, a little bit older that, oh, you know, they're going to perform well and they have a chance to make the NBA, like, an NBA roster. Like, I remember Justin Jackson last year where we saw him play in there, and he did really good. I'm interested in those type of things. Like, who's yeah. who are guys that are going to be able to fill out a roster? Where, what, are, what, are, what parts of these guys' games are going to translate? Who are some second-round steals? Because then we can come back on the show next year and do this all over again. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested. Uh, a little like you said, some of those guys, Isaiah Wong is, you know, uh, mm. slate second round pick 55 Pacers. Want to see him if he's out there. Monty Bates, is he on the Cleveland team? Yeah. You know, Monty Bates, is he going to kind of like you said, how does he fit in? Does he, he got picked 49. Uh, you got Amari Bailey. You know, I kind of interesting. One pick after Maxwell Lewis, you went to Denver, as you guys said, at forty. And our our uh, special guest on the draft show ten days ago, Jordan Walsh. Yeah. You know, he got picked up. And do they stick, Ani? Do some of these guys stick? I, some are going to do better than others, obviously. I just want to see a guy like a. Last year it was Tari East, and I think all three of us were watching. And we're like, this guy's pretty good. He's going right. to pretty good value at where he got picked for the for the Rockets. So hopefully that will see a couple guys like that, but it, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a long, uh, a lot of things going on in Vegas in the next, let's say 10 or 15 days. Ani, um, we got summer league. We got uh, some TV games on, I believe that Monday, which would be, Ooh, is that the 13, 14, 15, 16? I'm, I'm losing my track of my days, but that Monday there's going to be some TV. And then we have two live days, right? Two days coaches can come out. And then a dead day. So that takes us all the way to like the 16th. And then the 17th is the Summer League Championship. Yeah. So, uh, Ani, where are you going to be in the next 10 days? Uh, just give us a rundown grassroots-wise and then coming to the Summer League and, and then uh, finishing it at Summer League. What's today? The third. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a thing <laughs> roll. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be in Houston for New Balance. Um, okay. So I'm going to stay in. I'm just – you know, a little less travel I need. Like, I don't need to be traveling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll be at uh, Houston for New Balance, probably do the gas, so, like, on that Sunday. Um, then that following week, I literally fly into Vegas for from the 13th through the 17th. That'll be fun. You got the Synergy event with Adidas and Under Armour kind of cross-brand type matchup. I know there's going to be some other stuff. Dinos is running. Is he doing something? Uh, yeah, he may be doing something in LA. Then you got Gary Charles in, in the big time. Yeah, there's yeah. some TV games. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, in Houston, I'll, I'll be with uh, Jim Hicks. He's running his event in, in Houston. So that, Vegas, I got to speak at a conference on the 14th. So, you know, uh, you know like, it's it's going. <laughs> this, people, yeah. Yeah, the seventeenth gonna be a blur. Like I'm gonna be so happy when the seventeenth comes. Like I'm gonna be like, okay, I can I can sit down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We're traveling all over, trying to watch as much as we can. Um, so let's take a little step back. The Scholastic going into July. You know, but well, obviously we we prepped up for the draft. Thanks everybody who tuned in, and who's continuing to tune in. Episode one sixty five. Please tell other people about it. Like, subscribe. Uh, make sure to hit the like button and tell others about it but uh the scholastic was good it seems two weeks obviously you had uh the georgia one and cali live was live there was 190 coaches from all levels there the first june weekend and then we had the draft show that thursday and then the second one was section seven and and tabc and ani you were at tabc 400 teams uh that's just a huge amount of teams. Uh, obviously, all you know, a couple of players I imagine on most of the teams, but there's something for everybody. Even if you're a small college, junior college, you know, right. you got to find something. And uh, for Section Seven, it's high end at the top, and then there's like 165 teams. You know, that that's a lot of teams. So 400 is a, is a really lot. But just tell me in Highline, how does Scholastic and the two weekends and the teams that are, I'm sorry, the programs that get something really good out of it and the scouts, how does that change, like, the viewing periods of we're going into Peach Jam? We haven't even talked about Peach Jam. Going into Peach Jam and, and then going into these July. What, what has changed that now What in the high line? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, just a change regards, like, even the summer ball, like, when the June events arrive, there's not a lot of, a like, AU teams shut down in June. For the most part, uh, just in and from that aspect, like you know, yeah. there's a lot of changes. Coaches they get to see these kids in different roles. Uh, yeah. As you got to probably see a section seven. I mean, uh, guys like just Josiah Mosley at TABC, he blew up. Um, you know, uh, he got like Texas, Oklahoma State, like everybody just offered all these hot majors. Wow. Uh, Nick Cody, Al Alabama offered. Uh, there's guys like Tyron Mason picked up uh, from Plano, picked up like five offers from TABC. So. Yeah. Coaches get to see guys in different roles. And so now it puts it, okay, I got to see him in April do this, right? Yeah. Now I get to see, like, okay, maybe he's more of a spot-up spot up role or maybe plays a third or fourth, you know, plays third or fourth scoring type role. Then I get to see him with his high school team and he's the number one guy. Or he's the he's yeah. number two guy. So now we get to see more of the handle, the shot creation, the playmaking. So I think that's that's it's a good blend. Like I think the yeah. the June viewing periods are providing a good blend to the high school uh, to the college coaches to see what they're actually getting. Um, but I also say that you know with the high school viewing periods, it also helps coaches set up for what they want to see in July. Yeah, I think now is not okay. We seen this kid in April; he did good. But you don't see him in May or June, so you don't know how the hell he's been playing. But yeah. you're you're going to see a kid based on what you saw in April. Now you're going to go see a kid what you saw like two three weeks ago, which I think is different, and I think yeah. that it is better, and I it, and it puts more kids on the radar. I think the June bearing period has helped a lot of kids, even if they don't yeah. get an offer. I don't think even if they don't get an offer, it allows coaches to okay, I want to see you in July. Just do your thing in July, and you're good. It's like a like a setup, so. Uh, I think that's what changed. AU, AU uh, programs kind of shut down some okay. during the June period. I think it allows coaches to see players in a different light and it allows coaches to be more organized of what they're going to see going into July. Gotcha. And that's the last part I wanted to bring up, the organization. That's what I kind of gather at it. The coaches are not just like scrambling gym to gym in July, like, okay, obviously <laughs> the assistant has the schedule and the head guy's like, okay, where are we going? And it's a little more organized. Either we're gonna lock in on this guy and try to get a commitment from him, or we're, we're they're not just starting they're from. Uh, okay, we have five or six targets we want to hit. They they have an idea now who they're trying to get as their number one target. You know, it seems like that would help June. That's what June did a lot, especially for the guys that played both week. We're able to play both weekends. That helped out a lot of California players because obviously last year there was no Cali Live, so not every team went to Section Seven. 
this year there was about 64 teams from California that went to Section 7, which is still the largest group, still larger than Arizona, still larger than, obviously, New Mexico or any other. There's still so many teams, Mm -hmm. but the coaches were able to uh, get a good idea of what they're going to do now. And like you said, on in July, be more organized a little bit and lock in on the guys they want. And I think they have a better idea of, like you said, of who they're recruiting. And a lot of guys got a lot of offers. Uh, I guess me and you could run them down some of them, but that's basically what June did. I think I think the it's here to stay, obviously, now. And I think right. the coaches like it. Uh, they like the fact that maybe there's a little less of, hey, uh, this kid changed teams at the last minute. He's not at this event. Uh you know, oh, he, you know, he's not on Under Armour no more. He's with three SSB or he's at, uh, you know, uh, independent team. So it's a little more locked into where they're going to play. And uh, the scheduling is a little more tighter. And the brackets are, you know, played through. You know, right. you want to get from Sunday and, and, and win your divisional championship. And. Uh, I'll run down some of the players that did good at Cali Live and or Section 7, a few that did really well. And and, and one team that did want a division at both, which I'm sure that helped them a lot, and it, that is Archbishop Mitty of Northern California. Gavin Rip, uh, excellent student, 6'7", 224. Now he's getting, you know, he's, he's he has a high academic profile, guys, so he's like, you know, Ivy League is on him. Um you know, Montana schools are jumping in that and he just got to see him good because his, like you said, his team won in a division of championship in both uh, St. John Bosco won one of the big divisions at uh, section seven slam bracket. It was sponsored by slam Columbus of Columbus of Flor- Florida was there with Caden and Cam, as everybody knows, those two big names of, High school basketball, Ani, they just rolled through their division. I mean, I like, they did. Oh, let me just tell you the scores. Pretty good teams. I mean, this is the top division at Section 7, Power 8 division. Okay, they beat De La Salle 70 to 31. Oh, my they beat God. Park Center, Minnesota, who our guy Roger talks oh. about being really good. It's 87 55. I mean, it just. Wow. And then in the semifinal, Centennial, who's the defending champion of. Section seven, they beat them 71-41 in the semifinal, 30-point game. So finally we get a the final, Harvard Westlake, the champions, uh top 15 team in the Fab 50 last year, uh made it to the final. They were the open champions in California. It's pretty closer. They got it within four, but 75-60. So mm. uh 75-60 final. Columbus wins that division. Cam Boozer. Uh, double double every game, mm-hmm. dominant. Like, so me and John Stover are talking about it, and he's like, Ronnie, all those great players you're talking about, like, we talk about some of the older classes, and he's like, he's just as good as those guys. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I go with you, you know, like, he's proving it. So, uh, it was just kind of like a coronation for them, really. And like I said, Bosco, I, I think LZ Harrington had a great matchup with Braden Burry's, two of the better guys in 225. Yeah. Bosco came out on top, 63-60 in the final. Um, and in Section 7, uh, Salesian had beat Harvard-Westlake, the team that made it to the final at Section 7, Salesian from Northern California. They had a lot of players that helped themselves. So they act, they actually met up in a rematch. Salesian opened with Oak Ridge, Florida. Mm-hmm. So Oak Ridge won the GHSA, won the week before. So this just show you how strong that bracket was. That those two teams met up in the first round. So the champion of section Cali Live and the champion of the GHSA, which was a Florida team, met in the first round. So Salesian won 77-71. And then Salesian played Harvard Westlake in the quarterfinal. And that was the Cali Live rematch of that final. And Salesian had won, but Harvard Westlake was really fired up and won the rematch. So um Aaron Claytor, uh, Guard, who's originally from Hawaii, he's did really well for Salesian, really helped himself. Um, he's got some really good offers. And that's really what it's about, Ani. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of like uh, – I think what I've learned from that overall, what I my main takeaway is that 
you know, the teams that wanted that really helped their players, obviously. There's some sleepers. The biggest sleeper, I would say, was Jalen Holland from Los Lunas, New Mexico, which I didn't know too much about. Again, Los Lunas, New Mexico. I don't even know how big that town is. 6'4", mm-hmm. 225 shooting guard. Uh, 32 points per game average in his Section 7 games. Now he has offers at Section 7. He was offered by Missouri, Washington State, and TCU. And I know a couple colleges were like, uh, you know, please. I was like, they're like, please hope no colleges come to watch this game. <laughs> like, let them stay over there on the main court. Let hope everybody watches the boozers. Just stay there. They have no chance to get the boozers. Just watch the boozers. And it's like a couple colleges trickled over. And by the end of the event, he had like Washington State and a few offers. And that's really what it's all about. Like, awesome for that kid. His name again is Jalen Holland. Um, so yeah, that was that that was like you said, Ani, a great um great thing for those type of kids, especially if you're coming from New Mexico or from a small high school and you do really well. That that's really what the event is all about. And so th- that was the takeaway. And then my second takeaway, and Ani, you can tell me if this is accurate down on what you saw in Orlando, like Hayden Boozer is getting really good. A year ago, I was like, ah, he's Carlos, you know, he's Cameron's brother. He's super, you know, their package deal. Like he dominated the guards at section seven. He's getting really good. So I don't know if you have the same sentiments. Yeah, he wasn't great in NBA top in Orlando. Uh, but, you know, I was talking to my man, Brandon Jenkins. I thought he's getting better. Like I saw him in Dallas. Yeah. I saw him in uh, Atlanta for the EYBL. He was really good. So I, I didn't, I only I didn't use this as like oh he sucks right but uh, <laughs> but like when I was talking Brandon Jenkins we talked about like when guys don't do very good at NBA like especially in camp settings I don't like hold it so much against them maybe they no. just need to be more in the system mm-hmm. right yeah. you do really good yeah you're really good but like some guys aren't camp guys and yeah. I felt like he just. He couldn't really get in a groove, but it wasn't because he's not good enough. I just don't think he's just a real – he's not a camp guy. No, yeah, I understand. That, that's how I feel about him. But yeah. to your statement, I felt like in May, in late April, I was like, oh, he's gotten a lot better. He's really good. Like, he's yeah. a high guard. He's um, a high major guard. But Orlando, I just didn't really – he didn't do that. But luckily, I got enough of a sample size of really good play and more – more better in like a bit more controlled environment sure that, uh, that you know I, he's a high major player so i agree with what you're saying he just didn't really do that in orlando got it understood understood um the Jalen holland story is there anybody like that from tabc or the week before that like kind of came out of nowhere and got an offer or like yeah. a significant offer yeah i would say definitely like kj thomas who's uh who's at uh what's it called canyon randall Really didn't have much. Now all of a sudden it was like UTEP, La Tech. Like he he had like four or five offers. Demario Dennis, same thing. Um, uh, Veterans Memorial, San Antonio, I believe. Yeah, he had he gained like Corpus Christi, like 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 not McNeese, like Corpus, like all the Southland and some like Sunbelt and Wax schools offered. Uh, Tyron Mason, who I talked about from Plano, same thing. Just kind of blew up and got a lot of offers. Um, and he only had like. Nisa UTA at first. So there was a couple guys that just and and I said it before to the coaches. I said, there's some guys you really haven't seen, or there's some guys that gotta kind of break themselves away from the pack because everyone's just kind of in this little circle that need to just blow up. And I thought Tyron Mason, I thought KJ Thomas, I thought guy uh, kid da- uh, Daniel Thomas from Dallas Carter, uh Clarence Pae from uh, Beaumont United, those guys started separating themselves from all the low to mid-major pack <laughs> of guys that we have in the state, and they became more of priorities and targets uh, 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 for for college coaches. So, yeah, I, we had a, we had a couple. I would say it was about, like, those guys and maybe missing some others that really helped themselves, got a lot of offers after uh, TABC. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean – we'll see some guys getting some more looks in July, but yeah, I think to your point, June has really helped out a lot of people. Um, So let's go back to NBA players. Obviously we saw Mm -hmm. the highlights. Our guy, Jimmy Hicks is always trying to play matchmaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Cam Boozer and Cooper flag go at it. 
give us the lowdown on that and then uh, the top three to five guys at the camp. Okay. Yeah, this will yeah. be fun. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, that first game, like right off the bat. Uh, you know, and Jim, Jimmy wants to send a little text message saying, uh, <laughs> who do y'all, who, who, who do y'all want to see? Uh, Jimmy, who do you think we want to see? You know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So, uh, it was a good matchup. Um, yeah. I would say if we want to say who won the matchup, Cam Boozer, Cam had like 24 points, yeah. 14 rebounds, two mm-hmm. blocks. Uh, showed his inside-out scoring. You know, he's just such a beast in the paint. Like, he's so yeah. strong. He can shoot. He has hella feel. Outlet passes are great. Um, he was just – he was really – he just showed everything. Um, Cooper was good. Like, one thing about Coop is he plays so hard, and he yeah. goes for every rebound and block. But even when the shot isn't on and it wasn't on, I, I don't think he shot it well. I think he was like – Four for fourteen from the field, or something like that. Okay. He still had like fourteen points, ten rebounds, and five blocks. Got so, it. like one thing that Cooper does, he he can impact games and winning, doing a lot of things. And this team ultimately won the championship, uh, and he was the All camp. Right. So, like Coop was good. Like Coop was good. It just Cam outplayed him because Cam was more efficient. I think he only missed three shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He went like eight, eight for 11 from the field. Uh, yeah. well, he didn't miss hardly any shots at Section 7. And four, like, the dude was just dominant, you know? And I think this is common for him. Just He just shoots like 70% from the field. Yeah. Like, he just from nuts. And um, But, like, you can tell Cooper, like, stuff he needs to work on, like the three-point shooting, right, could, could get better. Um you know, some of the physicality and stuff bothered him a little bit in that in that game, but not taking anything away from Cooper. He's one of the best players in the state in the in the country. I mean, he yeah. is he deserves everything that he's gotten. But I did feel like this game he just struggled some with the physicality and the and the shot, the three point shooting wasn't on, which yeah. you know, which just kind of made it tough for him. But he can just impact games in so many other ways. And I like that he rebounded back and still got camp MVP. That just tells you how good of a player he doesn't let bad games like just ruin, ruin him. Like, and that, that's a bad game for his standards. Like, because we yeah. used to Cooper getting 40 points, 15 rebounds. So uh, to go on, like, camp rank, like, you know, who are my top four, three to five guys? I would go five. I would say camp. Uh, I would say Coop just overall, just the whole day. Yeah. Uh, Cam Boozer, and there's no particular order. Cam Boozer, uh, Jaden Quaintance, so 225. Uh, yeah. He was really good. He impacted a lot of games. His team made it to the championship game. Wow. He was blocking shots, rebounding, finishing around the rim, showed some mid-range shooting. He's young. I think he's young for his class at 225. Probably, I think he has an age of like a 226 kid. And he has long arms, plays hard. He's starting to turn the corner. He plays for that team. Turn the corner. Yeah, he's turning the corner. I would say him, uh, Floyd Badunga, because, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw the highlight of him. Like, if you have any to watch, like, he just dunked the shit out of somebody. And, like, <laughs> and, 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 and he fell down. The dude fell down with him. Like, Floyd's uber efficient, rebounds, dunks, everything. Um, yeah. I know people kind of compare him to Oscar Sweetway from Kentucky, so kind of looking at him in that type of prototype. And then I would say five. I like Connie Roos. Uh, Connie Roos, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, from IMG. Uh, okay. was, was was really good. I thought he was very efficient, big wing, can score. He's always been talented. This was probably the best I've seen him play in a minute, to be honest with you. He didn't have a great uh, scholastic year. He was solid, but I, I saw some of the flashes of what it could be in college and you know he, he showed some pro upside yeah, um got it. So that you know from like for what the nba looks for for wings so uh not calling him a pro but i'm just saying like you saw you saw cons- real consistency in play and his versatility so for me he would be in my five great great yeah i know that's uh we'll look forward to see your camp rankings and then uh we have some recaps on on the ballslife.com I, I did something where I talk about like about 55 kids that did better than the last time I saw them. Not necessarily the 55 best kids I saw, because I'm not including like the boozers and a few other players that are obvious, just guys that helped the recruiting, I thought, in the last couple of weeks. And then we'll see how they do in in the rest of July. But yeah, uh, I was speaking to, to John Stovall a little bit about that. And 
And, you know, if you, again, we the 19U United States lost, right? We know this class <laughs> is not the greatest. We talk about 224. It's like, ah, the draft is not supposed to be so hot either. And then that means unless something changed, the 225 draft is not going to be that hot, you know? Again, with I'm not including there could be some European prospects that emerge that are terrific. We're speaking mostly of the American-born players. Um, but then when you go to 225, I'll just say this, and I'll say it now. Again, it'll probably come out like I think Cooper's eventually going to end up in 224. I, you know, I don't know about the boozers because of the two of them, you know. But let's just say for now, arguments, purposes, Coop stays in 225. Uh and you got him. You got Cole Pete, who was at Section 7. That's three. Then you got Darren Peterson and Malik Thomas. Like, that's a pretty damn good five. Maybe there's somebody that can be the fifth guy. But those guys are pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, again, we can say, oh, you know, like in any class, in any era, any time, that five is pretty good. Like, you know, so, so what do you think of them? And was Darren there and was – uh and or was Malik Thomas there? I know Darren was there. Darren Darren was good. I would probably put Darren probably six or seven uh, on there. He was really good. I mean, you saw the the scoring. And you know what? On fifth, I you know Darius a uh, a cuff. Uh, he probably would be my fifth. I mean, he was uber productive. I got to put him in that five. Uh, but like Darren was really good. That two twenty five class is good. I mean, that, yeah. that's a really, really good class. Uh, and and those are wanted duns and that 226 NBA draft class would be what yeah. you're really looking at. Um, but yeah, that class is great. Darren Peterson, you know, Cam, Cole Pete, Coop, Malik, like you got guys like Darius who's really growing. He's he's becoming like a top 20 guy in that class. Uh, they're loaded. <laughs> they're, they're, they're loaded and you know, what we're seeing out of the um, out, out of what the, how the USA played, how the USA did and everything. I think it's it's just a test, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I ran a tournament this past weekend. And the 15, 16, even in the state of Texas, like, the 15, 16 U championship, excited about. The 17 U was, like, yeah, kind of what – that it's not bad. Just this is what we're dealing with nationally. It's like, that those classes aren't great. <laughs> um, Correct. They don't excite you like that. So, no, yeah. You're right. And I think the last exciting class like that where you're, like, Oh, there's a lot of good guys. Who's number one? Who's going to be good in the pros? Is obviously the Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, mm-hmm. Jalen Green group. Then it's like, yeah, these other classes are okay. So I think that's the next group that, regardless of how it plays out and who jumps up or whatnot, we're like, wow, these guys are really that good. So that's kind of what I got out. I was talking to John Stovall, and we were just sitting there, and I was like, John, who's the best, you know, like fives? Not the best class, like just that has a really good five top five. Not who, regardless of who number one, we were going down it. We we're just talking about the various classes. And he's like, Ron, whoever you talk about, like these boozer guys and those guys are just as good as those guys. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'll go with you on that. That's fine. Like, I especially watching Columbus win every game by 30, you know, like, <laughs> okay, no problem. They might be the number one team in the country. It might. That'd be pretty interesting if they beat. That's going to be the interesting thing, I think, of next season. Can they stay and beat the NIBC-level teams? You know, right. I think we'll see a little bit of that at Border League, I imagine, in October, in the fall. But I think that will be the thing. Like, basically, is where does Cam Boozer go from here? If he was a national player of the year, does he get better and is even more dominant? Like, wow, that's – you don't see that very often in high school, right? I guess, right. you know, a high school – first of all, usually the high school player of the year he goes off to college or whatever – goes off to the NBA and now he's coming back. It's almost like, uh, okay, where does he go from here? But he does seem to be showing that he's, like you said, Ani, efficient and like, I'm dominant. I'm not going to just rest and, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm going to go to the NBA when like he's getting better. He's yeah. So that's great to see. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Uh, it's going to be a long 10 days. We had a long 10 days. I think, the last 10 days were really long. Yeah, I know you're just like, yeah, we're the last 10 days. <laughs> and we have uh, the 4th of July coming up. We have a lot of things coming out now, the dog days of summer. It, it, Anya, I don't know you. We Chelsea mentioned it to you. Or we talked like it got really hot here. Oh, my God. The last day. Just a lot because it was beautiful, like in L.A. And, mm-hmm. and May was like 
70 degrees, no lot, a lot of sun. You know, it started getting a little warmer here in Vegas. Everybody's like, oh, Vegas is not even hot yet. Then it's like, okay. So July 1st selecting came. It's like, yeah, Vegas is back to the one day. Mm -hmm. It's all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was at a wedding. Clark Francis, our previous guest on the, on the pod, a couple of times, he had a wedding. Uh, congrats to Clark. But oh, yeah, okay. I got off the plane and I was like, oh, <laughs> God, what is going on here? So it's going to be a long, long 10 days and a long summer. So we appreciate everybody sticking with us. I think we're going to wrap up now. But yeah, you know, we, we, we've been uh, covering, you know, the, the scholastic setting. We, we're, we're in the midst of covering the grassroots setting. And then we're going to cover the little bit of the NBA Summer League and, and the things that are associated with that. So we appreciate everybody staying with us on episode 165. We'll be back. Uh, be careful. Everybody have a great 4th of July. Uh, you know, Ani, I'll say this, two years ago, a young prospect, he, I'm not going to say his name, obviously, because his name doesn't matter, but at 225, two or three years ago when he was 14 years old, he blew off his thumb playing with with a firework. Right. Pretty good player. You know, he's a pretty good player. He's going to be a D1 player, but he has, uh, you know, it's noticeable. Uh, so be careful out there. Everybody be careful, you know, with your young ones and your family. Maybe go to a public fireworks show. Watch the. <laughs> Don't yeah. get thrown off. <laughs> yeah, I feel really bad. You know, I, I I heard about somebody told me about it right away. They're like, so-and-so really hurt his hand. I was like, ow, you know, but he's a pretty good player. And he's going to end up overcoming his obstacle. But, yeah, everybody be safe out there. But for Chelsea Hopkins, Ani Amana, I'm Ronnie Flores. We're going to get out of here. And have a good 14th luck. Hi, guys.